1: And here's Gascoigne, brilliant play,
2: oh, take a bow, that's unbelievable. Mercurial but troubled. Oh dear me, he's going to be out of the final and here
1: is a moment that almost brings tears to his eyes.
2: Maverick, a genius. There's Gascoigne now, can he produce some magic, oh yes, a tremendous goal by Gascoigne. The crackerjack of British football and a mate who has never, ever, ever provided a dull moment in over 25 years.
3: I scored my penalty. Gareth Southgate missed his.
2: I've ended up in rehab.
3: He's ended up in the Manners of England and done a 20 grand pizza advert. What did I do wrong?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm Ali McCoy, a reasonable player in my own right. But from 95 to 98, I had the pleasure and the privilege of calling the most talented footballer of his own generation a teammate, through thick and thin, he remains one of my closest pals, Paul Gascoigne. This is Gaza and McCoist together again. Guys, magic to see you, Paul. Absolutely delighted to see you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good now. Now that I'm back, yeah, um, everything's good. Uh, I feel good. That's the, love lovely story, man. Honestly, it's one of my favourites. Met you in Vegas, right? You were near holiday. And Walter was there. He says, right, come on, he says. We're meeting Paul tomorrow. We're meeting guys tomorrow in the hotel. We're going to have a bit of lunch, a bit of brunch, right? I says, that sounds great. That says magic. So we're staying in Caesar's Palace. We're certainly having brunch in Caesar's Palace. And I got a hold of you beforehand. I said, I'll meet you a bit earlier. And I remember walking down into the place in Caesar's Palace, guys. You're sitting at a bar and you've got two big cocktails, right? One for yourself and one for me coming down. I swear to god, I could have dived in my cocktail, right? The thing was about that size, right? You're sitting with two bowls of chicken wings, and you're sitting underneath the telly, the horse racing's on, the American football's on, you name it the golf's on. And I took one look at you and I thought, I think we're gonna get go on just
0: fine. <laughs> 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 I that once said... Ain't
2: that a kick in the head? I'm going to take you all the way back to Newcastle, mate. Can you remember what it was like signing the day you signed for the tune? What was it like? Tell me about it. I mean, the day of signing for it, when I was, I knew I was going to be at
3: Newcastle, mate, when I left school. But I remember the time when I had to sign. I had to get um, one of my parents there to sign as well. And at that time, my mum and dad weren't speaking. So I'm sitting in there with the manager and the and the chairman. So my mum went, yeah, I'll sign that. My dad walked in. He went, I'll sign that. That's my son. Oh, the two of them are Evan and Blame. You, where you've been all his life. Oh, oh I am just saying this for if please. So I signed it. And then I used to remember I used to be his apprentice because was watching like Kevin Keegan, Terry McDermott, Peter Basie, Chris Waddle. And I'm thinking one day I'm going to join them. And fortunate for me, I mean, I didn't play. He didn't really play as when I was an apprentice and he said, you're, not, you're pulling too much weight and Jack John says, yeah, you're a good player. I says, I am. He went, how long you got left for your contract? I went, two years. I was like, two years? He went, you've got two weeks, you fat bastard. You better start <laughs> training. So I had been the, the minstrels, the fish and chips. And within a month, I was like captain of the youth team, won the youth cup, captain of the reserves. And then I was ready to play for the first
2: team just under seventeen years of age. At what point, mate, did you think yourself, I mean, clearly people would have said to you this, that and the next thing, but at what point did you realise yourself that you had something a wee bit special, something a wee bit different? The
3: first game was, we played was um, Liverpool. I got 10 out of 10. and I, was, I, I just thought I was playing in the park, you know, young. And that. And then the next game was Man United. And I thought, right, I've got to play well yeah, because I've got Brian Robson. He was my hero, idol. I'm up against him. He scored a penalty against us, Brian and He walked past us. I went, great penalty, Brian. He just <laughs> looked at us. He went, you effing nugget. I went, oh, OK. Because I used to get the bus with the fans to the match. I used to pay 10 pence, 5 pence transfer there and back. And I was like, sitting on the bus with these fans, I think, neither. know I'm playing in about one hour's time and not. And then get on the bus afterwards. And I was one game out, didn't play well. I'm getting on the bus with them. And one, I hear one guy on the bus says, are you him? I went, who's him? He went, you've just been playing. I went, yeah, he went, you played crap. He said, next time you play like that, never get on this bus again. So I made sure I was going to play all right the next game. And I think the fourth game was Tottenham and I scored two goals and I thought, right then. But what was good, because is um, when I played for the first team, when we got back in the training ground, the coach used to make us play with the youth team again, train with them and not the first team. He says, you're not going to become one of these big-headed stars. But I remember going back home, and I, I've got three, Liverpool, Man Match, 10 out of 10, Man United, Spurs, two games. And I went back in the house and I says, Dad, when are you going to go and watch us play when, when you've made it? And I thought, God, what have I got to do to make it then? I went, OK, then. She says, just remember where you effing come from. <laughs> so I've always stuck by that. But I just, I don't know, I just had so much confidence and I wasn't bothered who I was playing against. And I just thought maybe just just play your own game and that. And as long as, I, if I, even if I had a bad game, as long as I worked hard for the team, like, you know. My dream, because you was like you, obviously, when you were Sunday, was to score at the full well-end or whatever. And mine was to score the Galligan. And once I first did that, I thought, right, then I've sort of, like, made it, yeah.
2: Did you feel any added pressure because it was the club you loved as a kid and grew up in that area? Did you feel any added pressure or did you just knowing what you're like, a lot of people would automatically think you just absolutely thrived on it. I think that, you know, people say it's brilliant. I mean,
3: probably more yourself, more than me, because you're straight and scored loads of goals. But if I played well and I scored a goal, i put myself under the pressure of thinking, right, next game I've got to play even better and score two. Well, that really wasn't my job. Like, just it was to set up players and that. But I think just, I think in England more than anywhere else, it was always lovely becoming famous. But once you're going famous... And playing well, everyone recognised you. The only place to go is back down. But I think with it being my hometown and only 17 and a half years of age, and everywhere I went, then I was recognised, you know. Every time, I, like if it went, the lads went nightclub, and I felt like that was hard. So after every game, I used to I used to go back to the Working Men's Club and my dad and sit with all the blokes and every a game of snook and pool. And I just, I tried to stay grounded, but it was hard when you played well and you're playing for a club that you loved growing up. I mean, where I, I lived, um, I mean, I, I must have lived about eight miles, 10 miles from the ground or something. And when I was young playing football, I could, yeah, the Gallagher then singing. And I thought, wow. Obviously, I, I remember being a ball boy, a couple of games uh, for the reserves. And um, and then just watching the crowd there, and I'm thinking, God, one day I could play, yeah. It was in my mind I always wanted to play for Newcastle, but my dream was to score the Gallagher, which I eventually did, like, you know. But really? the pressure prize, I just thought, I'm only young because... A lot of players come into the prime when they're 23 to 27 and up. And I just thought, you know, when you're playing with the likes of um, Glenn Ruder, God bless him, he's not with us anymore, but I was fortunate to play with like Chris Waddle and Peter Beard in the same team. And I had Glenn Ruder behind us, always telling to us all the time, come on, get the ball, you're playing well. Even if I wasn't, he would keep on saying you're playing well and you're playing well. But they, like, I think the first season it wasn't too bad because they didn't really know us about the second season I think that's the time to try and put pressure on myself because I had such a good first season and that's when I started really getting marked
2: man to man that Taking all that in guys you'd naturally think the next step would, would would be moving to another club which you did do what options did you have when you left Newcastle and I'm guessing knowing the love you have for the club, it wouldn't it wouldn't have been that easy a decision to leave. No, I didn't. Um, I didn't want to leave. But I had no choice.
3: Um, Jack John says, I heard you want to leave. I says, oh, I might want to. He says, well, you've decided, you're you going to sign this piece of paper, four-year contract. And I panic because he's, you know, Jack John decided. I thought, well, that's me yeah, for another four-year. So I remember going home and I said, Dad, I've just signed a four-year. He went, ah, it's all right. You're not good. He says, you've plenty of time left. And then the phone went... And I was Kenny D'Agnis. so I looked at my dad, and I went, "Dad, Kenny Douglas." And my dad went, "Money, son." <laughs> so I spoke to Kenny Douglas. I put the phone down, and my dad said, "What do you see?" I went, "Dad, I did not understand an Evan word he said." So I think that deal went out the window. But Newcastle wanted 2.2 million for us, um, Liverpool were only going to pay a two million because I was signing Rush back from the Juventus. So, Kenny Douglas says, can you wait another year? I said, I don't know if I can. I said, we've just held world, we've just held Peter Beasy. I mean, I played really well, keep up there on the first division at that time. And so, my dad went, just keep on playing well. Then it was Sir Alex Ferguson. So, I looked at my dad and my dad said, Alex Ferguson, he went, I told you, son. My dad only had two hands, money. So, I swore to him, I said, yeah, I'm definitely going to sign so he went, so I'm going on holiday, and when I come back, you're saint by man United, you'll be the old travel. I went, yeah, definitely. So I'm like so excited. And two days, Dad, I'm signed by Man United, in, they're going to be the two point two. I'm definitely going. And he went, I told you, son. And then the phone went and it was Spurs. So I said says, Hello. He says, There's Irving Scholar, the chairman. So I says, Hold oh, no, on, Dad, Spurs. He went, He says, You're not saying for Spurs. He says, You're going to Man United. I says, Oh, sorry, I think I'm going to be going to Man United. He says, Oh well. He says, What we'll do is we'll buy your mum and dad a house. I went, Oh, hold on. I said, Dad, I says, if I save the Spurs, we're going to buy you your mum and my mom a house. And he went, Well, what the effing hell are you waiting for, son?
2: <laughs>
3: and he went, Okay, I said, I think I might be safe for you. And my dad went, Tell him I need a car. I went, And my dad wants a car. He went, We'll give him one. So he says, I want a BMW. He says, and also I found the house. He hadn't even left the the city. My dad's not moved anyway. Yeah, I'll find one. Don't worry about that. Get the car. So as I'm driving there to Tottenham, I passed Old Tra- Trafford, and I'm actually shaking. I said he's going to go off it with me. I was first. I mean, I was petrified. I thought. So I, I get the Spurs. I'm like a mile away, and the phone goes. It's my sister. I said, what do you want? She went, well, my mum's getting a house. My dad's a car. I'm on a sunbed. So I think the deal was done on a sunbed, but. You know, you're like, when you say for Spurs, guys, see, and you get fan mail, I'm getting fan mail by the dozens, I'm wow. And I got this big one, I thought, oh, I wonder who this is off. And I opened up, it was Officer Alex Ferguson. Oh, you, you stupid fat bastard. he hammered it. He went, I can't believe it. he said, I had the choice to be a man Barcelona, Madrid, all the top teams. He went, but I chose the biggest club in the world, Man United. It took him six years to speak to us again, like, you know.
2: And I've seen Sir Alex angry as well, by the way, and it ain't pretty. But do you have any regrets at all? Liverpool, Man
3: United? I mean, Spurs, the first season, I was like, oh, the pressure's on the, the, the highest transfer, 2.2 million, whatever. And I thought, well, that's OK, because we sort of did better than Man United that season. And um, we still wasn't speaking of us, but the next year, when it, he's just started playing Beckham, scores but... Sharpie, they won the one the league by a mile, And that's when I thought, wow, I could have been there. And then sometimes you do look back um, amount of <coughs> stuff they've achieved with Charles Ferguson. But I'm like, when I went to Rangers with seniors, how it was this one big family. And I think that's what Charles Ferguson had it in Man United. When we had Alan um, Sugar, that's a, yes, that's a sweetener. I remember he, he's, he's become chairman. We've just signed Gordon Julie for 2.7 million. <laughs> He's been at the club six hours. And Alan Sugar comes up to me and he went, I recognise you, you're Paul And I went, Yeah, he went, Who's he? Gordon Jury, we just signed him about five hours ago for 2.7 million or something. And oh, Gordon was fuming. There is times when I
2: do think, oh, what would what, what, what it would have been like if I was at Man, Man United. Brilliant stuff there from Gaz. This is Gaz and McCoist together again. And coming up hear what Gaza had to say about playing for Sir Bobby Robson, England's near miss at Italia 90. The injury that almost defined his career. And don't worry, we'll be getting to Euro 96 and Rangers very, very soon. To Gaza and McCoist together again. I'm Ali McCoyst, and recently I sat down with my old teammate and great pal Paul Gascoigne to reflect on his career, and I can tell you he was in absolutely top form. Now, coming up, we'll discuss the injury that almost defined his career, but first let's go back to 1990 as Gaza, on the cusp of his 23rd birthday, got named in the England squad for Italia 90, despite having never played a competitive international.
3: so Bobby Robson, first of all, when he goes in the office says, I'm sorry, you've not made the under-21 squad. Now I was so down, I went, oh, never mind. He went, but you made the full squad. I went, oh, wow. But going to the World Cup, you know, I was lucky because I was, like, just about 23. And Brian Robson, Chris Waddle Peter Beezy, the squad we had, Terry Butcher, all of them were just in the prime. So I had nothing really to worry about. And um you know, I, t- I took it as if I was in a boys' club. I was playing tennis, table tennis. I was enjoying the sun. Um, <clears> I didn't want to know who we who were playing against or whatever. I just took it like a breath of fresh air, you know. I just I was loving every game. I was loving every minute. I, I felt so confident. I, I was fit as anything. I was having fun with the lads and I remember Brian Robson saying, look, any of the ch- I'm coming to my end of my career. Any challenges, leave them to me. I don't want you getting injured because you're to- just starting with England any of the balls, I'll go for the headers, I'll take the, the, the cuts, the bruises for you. And I thought, well, what a, what a guy to say that, the person he was, Captain Marvel. And I just fell at ease. And I just took every game as it came. I wasn't bothered. I didn't want to know who I was up against, nothing. And I just remember <laughs> the time before the semi-final and I said to Chris Waddle, it was 11 o'clock at night, I said, I'm going for a walk, I can't sleep. I've seen two guys playing tennis at 11 o'clock at night. I thought, I'm challenging these two. So I went, I oh, please, and went, where's your partner? And I went, no, I'll take the twoies on. So I'm playing tennis, I'm sweating like a mad. And yeah, yeah, God's dying. I thought, oh, shit, it's a gaffer. He went, what are you doing? I said, playing tennis. And I dropped the racket and ran. So I ran to the room and I went, waddle. I says, listen, if anyone knocks at the door, just turn up and sleep. sleeping. I'm tired. He went, yeah, no problem, guys. and oh, five minutes later, like, smashing on the door. It's probably the man's out the manager. He says, where is he? He went, he's sleeping. He went sleeping. I've just seen him playing tennis for, <coughs> for an hour. And um, Chris Ward looked at me, he went, have you? I went, shh. <sighs> the next day I'm hiding from Sir Bobby Robson, he catches 11, I members. remember, we call it past 11, he went, forget about last night, I've already called you daft as a brush, I don't know what else to call you. He says, but today you're playing against the best player in the world, Matthias. So I looked at Bobby Robson, I went, no, I think he is. And I walked off and he shouting, come back, come back. And I looked behind, he's got his head down shaking, he says, what can I do with him? That semi-final, again, I yeah. thought, right, just carry on, just playing well. I knew I was up against to my tears. I think it was one of the best games I've played. You know, when when I look back to think um, how close we were when Chris Waddles uh, hit the hit the post, you know, you, you look at that and think if that went in or maybe if I had it took a penalty my head wasn't right, but the tears, it was more like, um, it wasn't just uh, losing the semi-final, but I had such a great time, Koisley. I thought, I honestly, in my head, I thought that's the end of my career. However, even though I was just 23, because our fans, they didn't leave with their heads down. They were singing, I'm singing in the end. Bobby Robson says, look, you've done well for your country. You've done proud for yourself, your family. That, that builds up then Terry Butcher putting his arm around us. You know, it wasn't a case of selfishness. It's just that. I think I had the best six weeks a play I could wish for, you know, when you're at school and you're watching World
2: Cups, so like the 1970s and 1974s, the 19, and you know. I mind it so well because we were obviously there as well for our statutory three games before we came back. <laughs> we were there for our normal three. Well, I was back. here. What do you call a Scotsman
3: in the second round of the World Cup? Ref. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know I've heard it before but it never ceases to love it I love it it never ceases to make me laugh I, I believe obviously you know Germany went on to to win the final I think Andres Bremer penalty I, I don't have any doubts guys I don't have any doubts uh, you'd have beat Argentina in the final I don't have any doubts mate
3: I shall have a doubt I mean the lads every game we got you know were are buzzing we're, the, even you know the guys that never got picked to play even the, their spirit behind us you know and celebrating even after the game well done it was phenomenal. I mean, someone like myself, would, if, to say I never got picked, I'd probably had the hump or been upset or whatever. But the lads that never played, honestly, the, their spirit behind us was fantastic. You know, there wasn't any jealousy or anything amongst the squad. There was nothing, it, you know. Shapes, mistakes,
2: misfits,
1: the dirt of
2: Following the World Cup heartbreak, Gaza returned to Spurs and the following season led them to the FA Cup final with six goals in the competition including his wonderful free kick to open the scoring against North London rivals Arsenal in the semi-final who could forget
0: Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is you know Oh I say!
1: Brilliant!
2: That is schoolboy's own stuff But even he can't believe it. But the final itself was to end in heartbreak. Despite winning his first major trophy and with a massive, massive move to Lazio already agreed, Gaz ruptured his own cruciate knee ligaments during a rough high foul on Gary Charles in the 15th minute of the game. And instead of climbing the famous Wembley steps to collect his medal, he left the pitch tragically on a stretcher.
3: You know, cause yeah, honestly, honest people talk about their dreams of playing in the World Cup. Mine wasn't. my My dream was was to walk up them steps, pick up my me medal, and you know, meet the Queen or Lady Diana. What was there? That was my dream. And to score in every every game. Well, the first one, Blackpool, I set up the, the the goal for Paul Stewart. Then I scored in every game, and you know, I was hyped up before the night before the game anyway. But my dream, I kept on thinking just get up them steps that's all I want to do you know so many years watching like the travelling on the bus the laughs they had the night before they build up they get in the suit and all that and I, I was so determined to win that game and I just thought I just want to play like probably one of the best games of my life and I don't even know how I ended up in that position the last man at the back after, what 11 minutes he touched the ball I thought he was coming inside and he went the other way it was a bad touch by him probably and then I've done that challenge I wasn't the best of challenges anyway when I got up, I thought, my knee's not too bad, yeah? And so I remember kicking off and I said to David Howes, just give us the ball quickly. And as he gives us, I've turned and my knee's went. So I'll get in the dressing room. I was crying. And I can't believe it. 12 minutes I've lasted and probably one of the biggest, because my dream was to so play playing the FA Cup final. And I said to the physio, how long is this going to be? A month? And he went, no. Three months? He went, no. So when I started crying, I went, six months. He went longer. I said, how long? He said, nine months to be year. And then, I- I mean, three years later, I was supposed to be signed for Lazio. Um, so I had that on my mind. contract was fantastic. Couldn't have wished for anything more. I just thought, that's it. It's over with, you know? And then Lazio turned up at the hospital. The chair, the president and, that, and the secretary and the translator and said, look, we still want you. You get, you get fit again. Prove it that you can still play the way you could. Then we'll sign you. So that gave me every incentive to get fit again, you know, and I, I worked so hard.
2: That's what I was going to say to you guys. A lot of people not involved in sport maybe don't just appreciate some of the dark days that you get through when you've got a long-term injury. Now, I don't have any doubt that you would have had them. Had them myself with a couple of broken legs. You get through moments where you, you know, you question everything. But knowing the way you come back, you must have clearly put in an, un, an unbelievable amount of hard work. But you touched on it there, mate. How did that make you feel when the Lazio officials turned up, looked at you and said, right, come on, get yourself fit. There, there's still a place here. We still want you. Well, you know, when you're
3: lying in a hospital bed and you're thinking, oh my God, how I mean, I couldn't even move my leg. That gives a massive boost, you know. It wasn't just to play football again. I was to join a massive club like Lazio. And I've seen the... Seen the fans beforehand, I was so excited to see us. And I just thought, you know, just gonna work hard when I get out of here. Um obviously the first couple of months I obviously I couldn't move my knee much, and I obviously I had a few tipples, a few cocktails, and I just thought when I when I was given the go-ahead, I knew that's it, put your head down and just go for it and try not be so much scared with the with your kneecap. And the worst thing is, is you know, like people say, How do you get f- how do you train it yourself? Like When you've had so many operations and you're working just one-on-one with the physio, you know what to do. But watching the guys train and finishing them, and laughing. And I'm still there at five o'clock in the afternoon, working away and getting fit. I just thought, I'm never going to... You get one point after a few months. I'm thinking, I'm. this is not going to work, this, you know? I said, I'm not going to get fit yet. But I felt a bit down for a while. But I remember in the hospital when... Gary Mabin and the team come in and gives me FA Cup medal. And Lacho they give us a, a solid gold watch, right? And they put it aside and I've got this medal and I've got this watch and I've got a contract to look forward for. My mum dad turns up. I says, no, go on, I'm going for the operation. Just leave. No, we'll wait till you go down. You're asleep for the operation. I'm like, no, just go. I don't want you to see like this. No, you're okay. So I goes to sleep. I wakes up when I go back to, <laughs> to the hospital bed, Guys, my medal went and the watch... I went, Dad. I think I've been robbed. He says, "No, I'm getting the watch stop fixed for me on." So that cheers up. But it was just every day. I was like, "After training, how can I get myself ready for the next day?" Because I pushed myself so hard. And so when I was like um, nine months, and that was Friday, it was Friday, Coisty. and the gaffer says, "Okay, you train with the team on Monday, and you'll be playing the week after." After me on the Friday, I went to Newcastle for two days, and I went nightclub with my mates and my brother and that. And there must have been a fan in the nightclub. He was obviously, must have been upset. And he nudged us. And I went, sorry, mate. And he went, you're poor gastro aren't you? I went, yeah. And he clogged us right in the jaw. And I fell and broke my kneecap. And it went, half my kneecap was atop my thigh. And I went, oh, my God. So I managed to the hospital. And I rang up. I remember the nurse scared. I said, that's my kneecap there. she went, no, it's not. I managed to get to the hospital. Mr. Brown did the operation again. Rang and I said, oh, never mind, we still want you. So so again, another six months, but that was hard because I had to lie in the city for three months and not move my kneecap whatsoever. That was difficult. But I suppose after the first operation and getting fit, after nine months and working so hard, I thought, right, I can do this one as well. So it was just a matter of just getting my me, get me head in action again and start working
2: hard. I missed the entire 91-92 season in the end but finally made his Lazio debut that autumn. Despite never being his best during his three years there, he is still very, very fondly remembered by the fans in Rome. Then, in 1995, his life changed, as did mine, to be quite frank with you, as Walter Smith brought Gaz to Glasgow Rangers. A life shone is-
1: Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.
0: Quality sleep is essential
2: for boosting energy, recovery and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. Only at Sleep Number Stores or SleepNumber.com.
1: The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on talk sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at Ladbrokes.com, 18+, BeGambleAware.org, T's and C's apply. A light shone in the night somewhere.
2: You're listening to Gazan McCoyst together again. I'm Ali McCoyce, and recently I sat down with my old mate and good pal Paul Gascoigne to look back on his career. Coming up, we'll talk about being rivals at Euro 96, both missing out in France 98. Still can't believe it. But it's time to talk Rangers. Let me tell you why we're so excited for Gas coming to Ibrox. It was unbelievable. The whole city, the whole place was absolutely buzzing, and it's fair to say Gazza looks back at his time there very, very fondly. People ask me
3: what's the biggest regret in my life, uh, regards football-wise, and I think it was leaving Rangers at the time I did. I mean, I was told Abacot he wasn't the right, the right man for me, and I didn't know whether to talk to him or drink him. Abbot. <laughs> uh, I remember speaking to Dino Zoff, and I said, "What clubs are interested?" And he went Chelsea. I said, "I ain't going there." I said, "What's the other one?" Aston Villa. I said, "No." And I thought, well, there's no one, I'm I'm leaving. So he went, Rangers. So I've out the door. I turned around and I went, I ain't going to Queen's Park, Rangers. And he went, Glasgow Rangers. I just slammed the door. I went, get them back, get them over now, quickly. So I remember while I turned it up, and he says, let me tell you about the club. I went, no, let me tell you what I've got in the fridge. And I come out with two Budweisers. He went, you're saying aren't you? He says, right, and when you come, they say, I'll be there straight away. And so he left. I was absolutely buzzing, I mean... I remember I meeting the chairman upstairs at the ground and that. And then he went, have you seen outside? And I went, no, why? And he says, have a look outside. And I just looked outside and I seen all the fans. I mean, my Is hair you? was blonde, all theirs was yellow, bless them. But no, <laughs> that was that was fantastic. And then obviously seeing the stadium. I don't know why, but I remember the gaffer saying, you'll ever laugh, you know, you know, be serious when you play, but you'll ever laugh at the lads in the dressing room. And I know I'm, I'm quite funny in the dressing room, but... I don't think the funniest thing I've ever seen was when I got my teeth done and you said, well, because I went to what's it, the reception. I said, do you think the guys will recognise her?" She went, I don't think so. As soon as I walked in the dressing room, I went, well, you need So we through a letterbox. That just ruined us. I remember I was just leaving the dressing room. I went straight back to the dentist. I'm telling you what now. And now, before we went there, I went for lunch with my dad and the, the woman behind the counter says, I says, what's the soup of the day? She went, carrot soup. I went, don't you start. <laughs>
2: I'll, I'll never forget, I swear to God, I will never forget in my life, you walking into that dressing room, walking right out into the middle of the floor, throwing your bag down and <laughs> and smiling at everybody with your new teeth, man. Uh, it's the funniest, it was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life in the dressing room, man. And you can remember, we sat up, you and I, we, we, we organised a wee table for one in the dressing room. We set up a wee table for two, right? And I, I was sitting at the table, and, we, and it was an imaginary wine bar, and you you to come in and chat me up with your new teeth. Well, <laughs> I remember that was trash. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Anyway, everybody mate talks about eight in a row. Your performance against Aberdeen was frankly ridiculous, mate. Your performance, particularly second half in the League Cup final against Hearts, ridiculous. Are those special memories for you? Yeah, because,
3: you know, I, I'd never won anything in my life. I won personal awards, but as a team and in a squad, um, I'd never won anything. So, you know, come the eight of the row, that was me, you know, I just thought, God, this could be my first league medal, you know. When we won one down, I thought, oh, no, we couldn't even, I didn't even want to draw this game. And um, I just thought, God, we've just got to please just win it. Just My whole scores just win it, you know. And I remember getting the ball at the edge of the box. And I, I, I don't know how I've managed to... I wouldn't have missed kicked it, but how I've hit the ball at the roof of the net.
1: There's Gascoigne now. Can he produce some magic? Still it's Gascoigne. Oh, yes! A tremendous goal by Gascoigne!
3: And I thought, right, 1-1, one, one, come on. And it was in my mind just to, like set up Koisi, get a goal for us, or what, this and that, you know? And um, then the second off, and I know there's was 10 minutes left, McClan had the ball... He says, Come on, Paul. I went, Don't give it to me. I'm shattered. And he just Whoa. threw it at me. And I went, Oh, just go. And I just Easy. kept on going. And I think you did a run to the side. I think Gordon Jones did. And it left an opening to get in. The... Once I got in the box, I seen the, the goalkeeper in the middle of the net. And I just thought, bend it in when we left.
1: It's been very evenly balanced. Here's Gascoigne now pushing forward. Showing great determination.
2: Oh, he's done it again.
1: It's unbelievable.
0: I've never felt. <laughs> the
3: most of now. I've never wow. felt um, a feeling
2: like that in my life. Never. It was amazing, Paul. It was one of these situations, it was a, it was a privilege to be on the park with me. It really was. And I tell the story as well. Five minutes after it, we got a penalty, and of course, I'm supposed to be on the penalties. And the next minute, you come up to me with a big puppy dog eyes. You know what I mean? Those, <laughs> please, please, Kosty, please, please, oh, man. I'd have been the most, i have been the most hated man in Ibrox Park if I hadn't given you that ball. And of course, uh, I says,
3: come on. He said, "No, I will take the penalties." I said, "Koiyse, this could be a hat trick, man. Please, please." He went, "No, I take the penalties." I went, mean, "Come on." Come on, You said this could be my last game. I was, well, if you're leaving, let me have it, man. But you know, when you let us have the penalty, and I normally always go to the other side, and I, I, must, I choose my mind and score that. It's
2: Gascoigne. He's going to take this one, and Gascoigne, this for the hat trick of the championship. But I didn't know what it was like to
3: win the championship, or what it was like in the dressing room, and to see all you yous in the dressing room and be amongst such a phenomenal group of players. Was incredible and seeing everyone dancing and singing and the champagne and the t-shirts jimmy bell must have been coming and get them t-shirts ready already but and then i thought right i want more of this you know I've while, the
2: listen of course i was always going to let him take that penalty sure i was gaza's hat-trick to seal eight in a row is still one of the greatest performances I have ever seen at Rangers. It was absolutely unbelievable. We went on to win the double and later that year we beat Hearts in a classic, absolute classic of a League Cup final. Although Gaz and I, well, we had a bit of falling out, didn't we? That day will live with me, guys. I've still got a fantastic photograph of you and I Having a cuddle, and next to it, I've got us having the fight at half time, right? And it's magic. And I tell people the story you were shaking at half time, and people don't believe it. You actually went in, into the boardroom, had a drink, calmed you down, out, second half. Unbelievable performance, mate. Happy, happy days. It was an incredible performance from me, second half. And obviously, we had that
3: little bust up in there. It was my fault, really. I should have given you it earlier when you made that run. And then you pushed it back in the head, and I thought, right, the are sitting off, i play all right now. And the dressing one, I went, I couldn't, I was shaking because I was next next year. I thought you were gonna whack us. And I'm like, sorry, Cosni, sorry, sorry. <laughs> and then Oxford Ox went, Are you wanting a drink? I went, No. He says, Go and get one. And oh, lovely. So I went in there, obviously, played the director's box. Had a treble brandy. I thought, oh, that's nice. I might have another one. So obviously <clears> we went on the pitch and the first goal, I mean, I caught that a beauty, I caught it right. I put a lovely bend on it, because he was a tall goalkeeper. am. it was just one of them games I thought. I can't do anything wrong, yeah. And I thought this is this is gonna be the time where I actually get the chance to win a cup final and actually be there and not in a hospital yeah. like the other one. So my first two medals like that were the best medals I've ever had. I mean it was just amazing. And then again I remember afterwards running at the celebrations and Wallace Smith says, You're going home. I oh, know we're celebrating he went, No, you've already had your drink.
2: Ah, brilliant memories. Those three years with Gaz at Rangers are some of the best of my career, of that there is no doubt. But we weren't always teammates during that three years. We're going to be talking Euro 96 and that goal at Wembley, plus missing out in France 98 next on Gaza and McCoyst, together again.
0: And is
2: You're listening to Gaza and McCoyst, together again. I'm Ali McCoyst, and recently I sat down with my old teammate and great pal Paul going to look back on his incredible career. Coming up, we'll be talking about the heartbreak of us both missing out on the World Cup finals in France in 1998, plus what Gaza makes of Gareth Southgate as England's manager, and of course, not forgetting he was a teammate of Gaza himself at Euro 96. The tournament didn't start that well. For you've got to say a draw against Switzerland. You're obviously under a bit of pressure for for, for your exploits in the in, in Hong Kong and Singapore, which had made the headlines. Guys, I'll tell you the story. So you boys were in the front pages of every newspaper going. We were we we're in America, laughing our balls off, right? We we're in hysterics. <laughs> you lot are over there, and you're in the front page of the papers. So <laughs> we flew back and we came into Glasgow and we arrived in Glasgow and we're just a bit off a plane. Right. I've turned to Craig Brown who's our manager I says by the way this is embarrassing this he said what do you mean I says we're going to go off here and the headlines tomorrow are going to be Scots in sober sensation <laughs> <I mean, laughs> <laughs> <laughs> you had a slow start of to the tournament but you didn't have take off mate I didn't tell anyone because my
3: mind is not on the game in the first game obviously i got a lot of stick off you guys in the dressing room and I remember I couldn't sleep the night before playing years. I went in his room about half past ten at night and knocked on his door. I woke him up and he said, what's the matter? I said, I'm, I says, well, am I playing tomorrow? I I've got to play against the guys. I want to play against them. He said, I can't play. And he says, I can't play. And I, I teased him and I said, why not? He said, well, I look at the first game and I said, I know, but that was the first game. I was obviously a little bit too nervous or too excited. I don't know. <laughs> he said, well, I'm thinking of am not playing you and I'm going to play somebody else because Scotland has a strong team and that and. I said, "Oh no!" And it went on for 45 minutes, and now I'm with tears in my eyes. And he says, "I'm sorry. Go and go to bed." So as I'm walking out, I'm thinking, "I'm a plane now." And he went Gaza, and I turned me a little walk. He went, "Of
2: course, you're a You get to sleep." I went, "Okay, cheers." I'm so excited I couldn't even sleep then. Guys, I tell people the stone, mate. First half, I thought we did okay. Big Al puts your head. We miss a penalty, and then your your own goal, which is absolutely amazing. But I tell people a story, mate, and, and, and you tell me if I'm wrong. I remember, obviously, we met up after the tournament, you come into the dressing room, we were always always a bit of crack. I tell people, you never really gave us any stick and you never really mentioned the goal because I actually think... You knew yourself how good that was. I say to people, see if it'd been a tap in, see if the goalie, if Gorham had maybe touched it and you'd knocked it in for half a yard, I think you might have made our lives a misery. But I tell people, I think even you knew how good that goal was and you didn't want to go on about it. Is that fair? Yeah, definitely, without a
3: doubt. You know, I knew because the stick you gave it us, and I always remember in my head I'm thinking, well, you don't know how I play, because I play for Glasgow Rangers, but you don't know what I'm like when I play for England. And it was my first game against uh, Scotland but you know I, when the ball come to this, I had a quick look and I, I can see Colin Henry coming at us I think if he slowed down I would have had to bring it down and obviously beat the, both of them I knew I hardly sp- scored a goal against Andy Gorham in training anyway but when I've seen him come I flicked it over perfect and I'm thinking just hit it because I, I put myself in a great position and I was coming to my right foot and as I've smashed it it's like dipped as well at the same time and I went to celebrate and honestly I wanted to look at Andy Goram and say, oh, stick it up, you you lad. But I didn't and I knew it would be raging, but I just did the celebration. And then after the tournament, obviously I had that chance against Germany. I'm, I'm actually when I could have scored, I missed it. I think if it was you or Linegart or Shearer, that you just would have scored that.
2: Trying to get Shearer on the far side, onto the body. So it needed, well, it did need just the merest touch. If he'd have had size nine boots on instead of eight, now he'd oh. have scored. Oh. Did you just hesitate for the last minute? Did did, did See, I've watched that a hundred times as well. Do you just think the goalkeeper might get a touch? He went for it. I swear, if he had, I
3: would. If he had that faintest of touches, I would have scored. Every time I look at it, I think God. I keep on thinking about my celebration all the time, and I think that that, that would have put oh. us more on the map. But I was, I mean, to be half an inch away from it, it was incredible. Every time I look at it, I think, wow, if I had scored that, what, it, what things would have been different, like win the championship at home." But But I remember going on holiday. I mean, enjoying my holiday, I've scored that goal, and, you know, everyone's praising us again. And a week to go, right, I figured, oh, I've got to get training first. And then it caught and on, oh, shit, I'm going back to Glasgow Rangers, yeah. I'm going to get hammered. So I'm thinking I'm going to get hammered. So one of the reasons I've just stayed quiet. But the other one was like, it's all right. You know, they kind of give us any stick for a while because I, I knew I I'd scored a great goal. And I don't know why, but I just felt once I walked in that dressing room, I had nothing to brag about or whatever. I just felt I was back at home again.
2: Yeah, I really did, you know. Well, do you know something? We we felt the exact same, mate. We absolutely felt the exact same. And, and, and sometimes, you know what football's like, guys? Time's a great healer, and and, it, and it's an amazing thing to see. It, but honestly, mate, I never get sick of watching that goal. It's one, one of my one of my one of my best mates scoring it against one of my best mates.
3: No, I know. I was playing in seven years, you know, and I always remember the time. where obviously, when I did leave Rangers, which I didn't want to, I remember crying halfway down the motorway. And obviously, I'm playing in the cup final game with Mills. But right? it didn't feel the same. I didn't want to be there. Uh, I was still thinking about what you were up to in the dressing room, the crack, the the games you were playing. The, I kept on looking at your results and that. And then I'm walking out of Wembley, and I can hear one poor and I'm thinking, That didn't sound English, that. That's Scottish. Now. I know those were 80s in the slams And I, like, I went, oh, cheers, guys. You know, at that moment, I just felt I want to be back where, you know, because I always remember the press saying I wouldn't do well up in Scotland and how tough it was. I used to give um, Terry Butcher a stick. Ah, you're not playing in Scotland. And he always said, all he ever said to me is every time I met him in England, don't mock it till you've till tried it. You know, people say it's easy to play for Glasgow but it, it, Rangers. guys, believe me, it's not. Because if I was like playing for Kilmarnock and I'm up against Glasgow Rangers, I want to play the best I can because I want to sign for Glasgow Rangers. So every game that we played was like a cup final for us. Also, they didn't realise, like, remember that time when we, I, I think I set you up, we were playing away, or something. You both mean you were subs, I was sitting on your back on the touchline, and I've 2 point of the ball and you scored. But remember Wallace Smith saying, right then, if we don't win 6-0 today, we, he's a chain on the Sunday, and he was serious, you know, and we did. Remember, he's getting the six or something, I'll 2 points the there, but the two were laughing on the touchline. I'm thinking, God, how confident we were. But, you know, some some games when the Gaffer and Archie were needing three or four nil, otherwise they weren't happy. So, that's what it was like to play for Rangers, you know?
2: It's still with me, probably my biggest disappointment and heartache in football was not going to the World Cup 98. And I remember oh. you were in the exact same boat, mate. How much <laughs> of a disappointment was it? Mine it was incredible. I mean, you know, I went,
3: okay, that night we went out and that. I mean, I, I know this for a fact. I I went, I went with Chris Evans and that. And I went back to his house about quarter past, 20 past 11. Six of our players were in uh, Soho till six in the morning. Six in the morning. Obviously, they didn't hit the papers. Then in, uh, when we went to Malaga the night they were talking about it. Now, I, I went to bed with Dave Simon and Paul Lynch, 11 o'clock, I was told all the lads were, a few of them were, but six, seven of them were, up at five in the morning, playing the piano. And I always remember Walton Smith and Terry Venner saying to his, I think it was Brian Robson as well, look at, just be careful, he, won't, he might want to make a name out of you. And I thought nothing of it. We're all lined up like kids, each one of it waiting to go in his, in his bedroom. And I was near the back, so I thought, right, I'm, I'm not going to meet you. And I seen Glen Riddell's eyes and tears, I thought, shit. So obviously I spoke into his door and said, what's happening? And he said, oh, okay. you're not going. So I remember being on the flight back, there was me, Ian Walker, crying, uh, Colin Palmer, I think, we are all crying. And I thought, well, what am I going to do, yeah? And I think, I know the press are going to meet onto his like hound dogs. And I've never seen so much press outside the house I was staying in, staying doors. and then I ring Brian Robson up. I'm thinking, God, what am I going to do? I said, I'm just... That's probably the worst I've ever felt. Worse than the operations. And I thought, God, I, you know, I'm not going to the yeah. to the World Cup. But I've seen a couple of the lads' books, like Beckham's book and Batty's book, and the other one seeing the we for there might have had a, a better chance of getting through. In my head, I said, at least I played in one World Cup, and I did myself proud. But I remember about... I eventually had the courage to leave the house. And I remember going to the hotel in London... In England, by them, out. And I brought him the lift, and Glenn Hoddle started in the lift. No. Yeah, and he's just looked at us. Uh, unbelievable. Glenn Hoddle just looked at us, and I just looked at him. He went, sorry, what happened? And I didn't really see anything. But I just got up the next floor and didn't see anything to me, you know. So only until a few years later when I bumped into again, and said, look, it's all forgotten about. I'm one of them, just move on, you know. That was probably the biggest disappointment
2: I've had him in my career. Looking at it, guys, I mean, you, you played under some brilliant managers, Walter, Jack Charlton, Sir Bobby, Terry. It looks as though Gareth has got a fantastic future ahead of him as well. Yeah, but I, I, I kind of get this
3: question. You really can't. I needed the, the country to help me. I scored my penalty. <laughs> Gareth Southhead missed his, right? I've ended up in rehab. He's ended up in the Manners of England and done a 20 grand pizza advert. What did I do wrong? I want my country to tell me what did I do. I told Gareth that he just laughed. I find it hard talking about England because I was so proud to play for my country, even though the trouble I put myself in off the field. But you know he's got he's got talent there, and as long as they stick together, the players and there'll be no animosity like we had in the 1990 World Cup and the squad we had in '96. If they stay like that then we've got potential to go and win a book. We've been seeing this closely, what, since 1966, you know, yeah. and Bobby Robson was fantastic in the World Cup because he said, you're only allowed to make a phone call back home. You're not allowed to read any newspapers and he wouldn't watch, let me watch any uh, TV, English programmes, nothing. Keep away from all that, just concentrate, being a t- team spirit. And I think rightly so as well,
2: like, you know. Guys, I'm going to say to you, I'm speaking for everybody. I can of remember seeing you as well, mate. bro. You look happy, you're vibrant, you're smiling, you're your old self. I'm buzzing. I'm absolutely buzzing speaking to you. What's next for guys? Where are you going next? What are you up to next?
3: I'll just say what happens, because the lockdown's been not just for me, but for everyone in the country. It's been a nightmare for the last year or so. So, and then I've got maybe a book deal there. I've got a Netflix uh, thing coming up. Just see where it goes from there, but I've, stuff like this keeps me going. Cause you know what I mean? I like to keep on the move. I hate sitting down. So maybe if everything's prepared, with a fly fishing. For me, like, I've not been back home since February.
2: Once you get a little bit of time, I'm fly fishing, I'm salmon fishing next week, mate. So oh. you and I'll have two or three days away and we'll get a bit of fly fishing. Once everything calms down, how's that sound, my part? Yeah, sounds good. I went last week fly fishing. I caught a six pound blue bottle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> By
2: the way, I need everybody to know I first heard that in nineteen ninety-five from you. <laughs> God, I've been that That's old it, now. It's been absolutely magic. I love you. Yeah, I'll you give back. you a shout and maybe I'll come up and do some fishing. Definitely mate. I love you bitch mm. thanks very much for your time. Yeah,
3: and thanks for all the support for everyone back in England and Scotland. Yeah, I appreciate it so much.
2: It's good to have a smile back on my face as well. That was absolutely brilliant. I can't tell you how good that was to see him looking so well in Top Forum and just listening to him tell those stories. I really, really enjoyed that. This has been Gaz and McCoy's Together Again. If you missed any of our conversation, you can hear this show as a podcast on the Game Day feed from TalkSport. And don't forget, all 51 games of this Euros this summer will be live on the TalkSport network. Tell me quick, oh, ain't love a kick. Tell me quick, ain't love a kick in the head.
1: The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on talk sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org.
0: T's and C's apply. Hold that please, level five, thank you.